goodness. Isaiah is Isaiah is awesome. I mean, I've really been enjoying going through it and really looking at what's in there. And, and there's stuff that we've all heard. This is another one of those sections where we'll go, oh, I've heard that. And then we'll look at where it is and we'll go, oh, I didn't know that. So 28, this is the judgment um, on Ephraim and Jerusalem. Because ah, the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim. Now, if we stop it at drunkards, we could probably all think of where that could apply. But <laughs> we all know proud crowns of drunkards and but of Ephraim and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley of those overcome with wine. Behold, and remember, Ephraim is where the false temple was set up. Mm -hmm. Ephraim was where the north wanted its people to go and worship so that they wouldn't go to Jerusalem and stay there where the temple was. Behold, the Lord has one who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He cast down to the earth with his hand. The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim will be trodden underfoot. And the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley, will be like a first ripe fig before the summer when someone sees it. He swallows it as soon as it is in his hand. So it doesn't, it, it's not that it stops being a wonderful thing. It's that it's treated in a not honoring way. I like that analogy because I love figs. Oh, yeah. I have my fig trees. Sometimes I couldn't even go inside and rent it. I had to just eat them. Exactly. Uh, I, I bought things. honey dates yesterday. We were, it's not easy. If you go to Dateland, their bags look like they have a little tear-off thing. They don't. And so Liam and I are both like, like trying not to rip the bags, trying to keep it all above, and it was all mangled. And finally I got a part to come up. And I was like, oh. Do you <laughs> know where, so you, where you buy figs here, though? I have Look, look, I uh, when they're in season, Trader Joe's and Sprouts have them. And I, I heard a rumor we're getting a Trader Joe's. No. Where? Finally. Um, you know Indian School and Litchfield, where that Walmart is? On one of those corners. Oh, really? Yeah. In Litchfield? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Nice? I don't know when it's, it's going to be there, but I'm excited. So in that day, the Lord of hosts will be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people and a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment and strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. Some really beautiful imagery. These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. So that such an interesting, God's going to be their strength. God's going to be their justice, even though currently they're deceived. Currently they're not doing right. But when the time comes, God will be there for them. These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are swallowed by wine. And that's such, that's such a powerful image. If anybody who's known an alcoholic... They are not drinking the alcohol. The alcohol is drinking them. Oh, yeah. They are swallowed by wine. 
They stagger with strong drink. They reel in vision. They stumble in giving judgment. And just very important warning, I think, for people who are running off to prophets all the time. Oh, I want to hear the prophet. <coughs> you know, you don't, not all the prophets are saying what they're supposed to be saying. For all tables are full of filthy vomit with no space left. Now that's very human. <laughs> yeah. What are you I know. Uh, Yowza. What, especially Ooh. the filthy vomit. Like, oh my with God. no space left. No space left. No space left. You want to say it's, it's like the days, you know, if you, when you've got a large family and everyone's sick and every sheet in the house and every towel and every, just piling up. But But think about it, though. If you're trying to give judgment where there's no right thing, it's really hard. When you're trying to, to speak into a situation where there's where no one's doing right, it's very hard to know what to say. And if there's no space left, the idea, like, you can't see the way out of it. And, and it just, you know, all the, the whole idea of vomit and fermenting. And, and I mean, because yeah. fermenting is rotting. Yeah. And it's just this, this, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I thought fermenting was how you make wine. It is. Yeah. The grapes it's spoil. Yeah, you have to see yeah. it. Basically, if you leave grape juice in the car overnight in Phoenix, you'll have wine. <laughs> 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 You're not kidding. <laughs> to whom will he teach knowledge, and to whom will he explain the message? Those who are weaned from the milk, those taken from the breast. Wow. They're the only ones not drinking yet. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. That's right, yeah. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to work with the babies because everybody above that is messed up. But think about that though. When I mean, we're we're all families. We're in families, and there are generational issues that you get born into, and you have no say over it. And and it's always interesting to me because the things that you're aware of are the things that someone has become aware of and is starting to talk about. There's always stuff that you're not aware of yet because it's just the way it was. And this is generations in the northern kingdom. You know, in other passages, God says, you know, I can't blame the people because they don't know because the priest didn't teach them. But I can't really blame the priest because nobody taught them. Yeah. And so it's that same kind of image where they're just staggering around in their drunkenness and they don't know any better. And drunken to the point that they're vomiting. And it's just, it, like, it's the day after a frat party. It's just all messed up. And it's just all, you know. And so God's like, who, who am I supposed to work with here? The new babies? The babies who are just old enough to be weaned from the milk. And, you know, in a way, if you think about it, the idea of, of as you grow in maturity as a believer and you go from milk to meat, and this is a picture of people going from milk to wine. Milk to wine. I know. Huh? You know, there, there's a... Uh, yeah. 
I mean, that's all I love. I love the song Seven Years Old and, and knowing more about the singer and how oh, the like place he came from in Sweden that was like he, he was poor. He was, if you've heard his song, um, what's the new song he's got out that has the hard knock life theme in it? Um, yeah, Mama told me. Uh, Mama told me uh, we were okay. And he's talking about how they never did anything fancy when he was little, but it but it was okay because his parents told them, you're okay, you're good kids, don't listen to what anybody says. But his other song, <coughs> it was really jarring because he's talking about being 11 and and smoking herb and drinking burning liquor. And I'm going, 11? Where were his parents? What what uh, singer are you talking uh, what is his name? Oh, I'm trying to think of it. I can't. It's. Yeah, let me see. I'm not looking at it. You ever heard it, Marie? What? The song I'm talking about. I don't think so. That's why I said You haven't? Oh, it's. Do we have time to play? Yeah. In fact, I'll, I'll just pause this for for copyright issues and then I will. Yeah, you're going to play the song. too <laughs> but you know what and it's funny because my old Liam until when we moved into the house that we moved into when we left Buckeye he came to me a couple days later and he said I didn't know how broke we were until we moved into this house oh my god and I went oh but my goal as a mom was never to have my children feel the lack that personal internalizing of worth that comes with embracing being poor versus being broke and doing what you got to do to make ends meet and yeah you know I didn't never feel like poor but I felt like I was in a family that cared that loved me Cared for me. Yeah. And it was all right. It was all okay feeling. Yeah. It was a good feeling. When I was having I mean, to tell my money Well, when I would have to tell my kids we don't have the money for that, if I had to say it too many times in a row, I would sit them all down and I'd say, I want you all to know we have enough money. We can just only spend it once and we're choosing to spend it on our bills and feeding everybody and the stuff that that's a priority if we went and spent this money on all the fun stuff we couldn't do that so we talked about priorities in money and budgeting and you know they they've got a lot more common sense than a lot of their friends who you know throw fits and know if they break their phone they're going to get a new right right they you know they know the value of finding amazing deals at goodwill and and looking and taking the time to look for the right thing instead of just going out and buying it and then regretting it and buying another. And I think those are important lessons. So taking this back to our text in Isaiah, you, you only know the context in which you were steeped. That's your worldview. And, and in fact, this, the verse, train up a child in the way he should go. And in, when he is old, he will not depart from it is in Hebrew. It's this picture of, Steep a child in Torah. 
and it will become the fiber of their it's when it's what you breathe yeah it's what you know and and this is an Israel that did not have that you know a lot of times when people will say oh the Old Testament that's there to show us that even when we live with God's law we can't do it right and I'm like oh no because for the vast majority of their history, they were not living with God's Torah. They're the picture of what happens when we live not his Torah. <laughs> that should be a cautionary tale to us. Not the, oh, we don't need that. Because when you grow up in a church that says, oh, we don't need that, that is your context. That's what you were raised with. That's all you know. And I don't know why it was jarring to me to hear those things. I don't know why it's jarring to some people and not to others. Some people, you know, I don't know. We're the questioners who always get told we don't belong there and must not have faith anyway. So I, whatever, okay, I'll keep asking my questions. But there are a lot of things that I was, you know, when I'm, when I'm being told things like, oh, Jesus died so we can eat pork, and I'm going, Really? That, that was the whole point of why he came here? Was, oh, I was told that. Because I was asking about Easter. Why do we eat? I'm like, if he's the Jewish Messiah, why do we eat pork to celebrate his resurrection? Now go answer that question. That's what I would tell him. Yeah. Because you're coming up with the right questions. Right. Oh, yeah, but you know, most people say, oh, well, if, you ask, if you're asking questions, you don't have faith. If you had enough faith, you wouldn't have these questions. Want us to ask questions? Well, yes, but not because everybody thinks that. Because they don't have the answer. Because they can't answer. And, yeah. yes. and there's too much pride to say, I don't know. Right. Too much pride. Or to say, oh, that's a good question. Right. Which is why that's always my answer. I don't know. Let's find out the answer. Yes. You go look. If I come, if I come on anything, I will share it with you. You share it with me. Let's get... But see, what happens then is, is people end up going outside of the church context with those questions. And you know who's very willing to talk about questions and doubts? Atheists. They are. They'll talk about your questions and doubts all day. They'll validate and affirm. They don't have answers. So it's why I've always been really big on telling someone, those are valid questions. I'm willing to share what I've learned. I might not have an answer for that. I support you as you try to find the answers, but make sure you're asking people who can help you find the answers, not people who are going to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah, what, either what you want to hear or, yeah, that's why I don't believe. Somebody who rejected God because of that very good question, not having an answer, can't help you get an answer to it. And and when I, when I reached my... You know, crisis of faith that turned out to be a crisis of bad theology. It was, I, I went back to, I have, and I know not everyone is, is the kinesthetic experiential person that I am. I know some people, you know, experience God much more intellectually only, or they see the, the evidence for it in history, or that they, they just, people experience God different ways. And, and I, I think it's also dangerous that so many people want to impose how they experience God on everyone else, which means if you don't experience him that way, well, you must not have experienced him. No, we are all different. And God communes with us in the way that he created us to be. And, and I totally affirm that, but I know for me, 
the very real, tangible experience of God was so real that when I was questioning everything and I got to that point where I went, well, I can't throw out the idea that God is real because that is just such a factual thing to me. I'm just going to throw everything else I've ever been taught about him away and start over. Because that's just such a gobbledygook of mess that, that I don't even want to try and unravel it. And so I, I used to say, people go, so what do you believe? I go, Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> that was my starting point. And I kept praying, and I still to this day pray, God, show me who you are. Teach me who you are. Let me Let me see. And sometimes I'll think I have an answer to a question and then he'll come back around with an expanded answer. And then I'll go, oh, I get it. And then I'll come up. And eventually I'm going, I don't get anything. Whoa. Okay. But you know where I've moved in all of, in, in the last, what, 25 years is from Jesus loves me, this I know, to for God so loved the world. And if anything that I do or teach or think that does less than communicate that love, I, I want to hold my tongue until I know what I'm saying. Um, one of my one of my friends who's a who's a pastor also. She and I were out at lunch, and she she said with the things that they're going through, which are similar to what I've been going through, she she goes, I've gotten to the point where I started asking myself. What if they aren't the ones who are wrong? What if I am? What if God has let me believe the things I believe about him because that's all I could handle? <laughs> I went, yeah. What if we know what we know of him, which isn't necessarily untrue, but the very second we think we've got our hand firmly around who God is and what he wants to do, once the Pharisees thought they knew what they needed to know, he went and sent Jesus. Uh-huh. And threw them all in an uproar. He said, you missed the whole point. And said to them, you missed the whole point. The whole point is not about who we're keeping out. It's about how to get them in. And I feel like the church has gotten to that place with so many groups right now. <sighs> and I just go... Why do you hate them? God loves them. Why have you told all these people? Uh, yeah, you're out. We we considered the Bible, and then we looked at your life and went, mm, they don't they don't get in. <laughs> because that to me is judgment that is stumbling around in vomit. That's that's judgment that is so contextualized that you can't see where you're messed up. As opposed to, you know, at, at Fuller we always talked about how every person's question when they encounter God really is, is there room for me at the table? You know, the table being the, the, the banquet hall, the, the Passover, the body and the blood. Is there room for me at that table? You know, when she said about can't see, Teresa, that reminded me of the study last night where they, they illustrated the thing that holds the candle the candle being the spirit and what holds the candle 
and how the, the Pharisees and such, they, they made more laws than what God And so mm-hmm. then she put this, this real heavy glass over that candle and the thing that was holding it, mm-hmm. you know, and she, and then she, as she went, kept talking about it, the light went out. So she yeah. believed that's what happened with them, you know, they that they had the spirit of God right. in them. They had, they had the words. Uh-huh. And then they go and add, and they can't even live under the stuff they're adding. And then eventually, so it has to look yeah. this way. It has yes. to be de- yes. Let's define that like word. Like this. Yeah. Exactly That's like why. That. And and you guys all experience like when, when I'm asked. Yes, it's like when people ask me. So what is work? What should I avoid on the Sabbath? And I look at them and go, you know, when you're working. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to define it because what might be work to you might not be work to me. Or what might be work to me might not be work to you. If you feel closest to God when you're puttering in your garden, why would I say it's work to be in your garden? And then I go, which means I'm telling you, um, the thing where you feel most close to God you're not allowed to do on the day you're supposed to spend with God. See, that's what they did. And we don't, but, yeah, but they don't realize they're doing it because to them that would be work. Of course you can't work in your garden. Yeah. Like they told you, why are your disciples eating corn on the Sabbath? Right. They was hungry. Yes. Jesus always had like these so simple answers. It was amazing. Yeah. So clear. So, you know, like a child. They was hungry. Yeah. So we ate corn on the Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. I know, huh? Yeah. They weren't harvesting it to go sell it at the market. No. Right, you're feeding yourself. They was like so ridiculous. I was like, they don't realize they're being that ridiculous. Well, I, they don't though. The they don't ridiculous. because no, they in their minds, it's so obvious. Anytime I'm talking to somebody, and their response is, "Well, the the clear and obvious meaning of the text," I go, "Whoa, back it up. Yeah, just step away from the text for a minute because you have no understanding of how." much you are bringing to the reading of that text that you think that's the clear and obvious reading for of it. You know, usually they then go in the KJV or in the whatever. or And, and as soon as you say, well, how does any other culture read that? Well, I don't know. I just have to live in my culture. Okay, stop teaching then. You live it. I'm not going to tell you not to live what you believe, but you need to stop the teaching. Yeah. Because you're oppressing people. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're not teaching them how to read. You're teaching them how to live. And there's a great majority of the world that does not understand that verse that way. Right. And you have just said they're all wrong. And then they're doing it in the name of Jesus. Right. That's what's so crazy. One of the, one of the things I find myself saying most often to people when they're talking about why they've rejected God or why they've rejected Jesus is, Oh, yeah, I've rejected that Jesus, too. <laughs> That's not the one you I find in Scripture. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, reject, I reject that God. That's, that's not the God of Scripture. And they go, oh. So I'm not going to argue and try and make you experience God in a particular way that was uncomfortable to you because I don't think, I don't think that's God. Because when you encounter God, you're drawn to him. You really are. It might be hard to do things you know you need to do. I'm not saying it's always easy to live out righteousness. But you're drawn to it. You're not repelled by it. 
you're, you, you experience that. Well, we love God because he first loved us. Well, if we take away all of the experience of because he first loved us and then yell at people for not loving God, we've got to go. Maybe we played a, a role in this that we were not supposed to play. Maybe, maybe we've done something here to hinder what's happening. And so at this point, what God is saying through Isaiah is, well, they think they get it, but they can't see that they didn't go, they didn't graduate from milk to meat, they graduated from milk to wine. Their brains have not processed this correctly because they're drunk. You ever talk to somebody who's drunk when you're not and they think they make so much sense? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and you're going, are those words you're going to <laughs> there, There's a song, and I love the song. It's so cute, and it's on ukuleles. And, and I, but I listen to words, I'm like, okay, people wrote that when they were high. Because the words are, let's get rich and buy our parents' homes in the south of France. Let's get rich and give everybody nice sweaters and teach them how to dance. Let's get rich and build a house on a mountain making everybody look like ants. Way up here, way up here. And, 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 I, and I'm like, I, I think I've had conversations with people when they were high that went like that. You know, let's give everybody nice sweaters. But only if we teach them how to dance. Wow. You're going, what the? <laughs> You're not even making sense. <laughs> okay. And I mean, that's all you can say to them is, okay, yeah, great idea. We'll work that out tomorrow, you know. And, and I, sometimes I hear things from, you know, in, in just people posting or people talking or, or on a podcast that someone, oh, listen to this clip. And I go, are they drunk? What are they talking about? That doesn't even have any content. Like, where are they getting that? Oh, that verse. That's how they're interpreting that verse. Huh. Interesting. Huh? Okay. All righty. Well, I guess that makes sense if that's how you understand that. And they hear God saying through Isaiah, they're staggering around and there's not even anything, there's no space outside of the vomit. And they're so inside of it, they don't know. It says, for it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Okay, so I'm going to go back because... This is one of those verses that people like to pull out. So let's go back and look at what's being said. To whom will he teach knowledge and to whom will he explain the message? Those who are weaned from the milk, those taken from the bread. That's not an answer. That's a question. Who's he going to ask this to? The people just weaned from the breast? Because he can't ask the ones who've been drinking. Right. For it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to this people to whom he has said, this is rest, give rest to the weary, and this is repose, yet they would not hear. So that line upon line, precept upon precept is not general, not what we're generally told they're talking about. Because what, hey, hey, Aiden. 
for what he's saying is, who am I supposed to teach this to? The children just from the breast? Because for everybody else, it's been idea upon idea. Thought upon thought, word upon word. It's infiltrated them to the point. How do you unravel that? That's what he's saying. He's saying this is their context. They don't under they they don't get it. Because the precept upon which they built that precept, upon which they built that precept, upon how they understood that line, the whole process is messed up. They were drunk for the whole thing. Drunk logic took over. As soon as they got off the press. Who am I supposed to teach to? So I will bring foreigners in. Yeah. I will teach somebody else. Now who are, and who are these foreigners? All the non-Jews who get to know Yeshua. And what's our purpose according to the olive tree in Romans? And according to this, what's our purpose? If you came to God not through Judaism, if you came to saving grace through the Jewish Messiah, your purpose is to provoke the Jews to envy by understanding their word more than they do. And as soon as you say, Jesus died so we can eat pork, you have lost your usefulness. You definitely lost the Jews in that one. You know, you might be able to go and get some other non-Jews saved. Uh, well, maybe if you, if but you've lost your purpose. Because how can people think that or even say that when that's what Jesus was? And in that culture, even today, they don't. But they will I am not even kidding you, Marie. The teaching is that the Gospels and everything that came before that were for the Jews. Right. And then Jesus died, and all of that was done away with, and now we follow the teachings of Paul. Who Paul, we can manipulate the sound. Oh, Paul I think Paul say, just goes. Me. Yes. Paul was straightening that mess up right now. Paul, Paul yes. Yes. Against what you right. Say and he said. You don't follow me if I violate that. Exactly. And, and Paul, you should don't kept eat all smart. of God's commandments. Paul never ate that either. Paul no, never did. But I just imagine Paul left there going, "Yeah, Yeshua, I hear how it sounds." Yeah. Well, look what the Catholics. <laughs> look what the Catholics. You know, when I wrote it, I didn't know they were going to do that. I didn't know they were going to translate it through all those things. And I mean, I didn't know. I was. And, and Yeshua goes, "I know." And Mary and Mary do the same thing with the Catholics. They hold her in such oh, high esteem. Yeah, I think she got a higher position than Yeshua. She's Mary up there going, "Yeah, I see walk it." Walk into the Catholic Church. <laughs> I mean, I meant they would all call me blessed, but I didn't mean that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but but this is the people of strange lips with a foreign tongue. The Lord will speak to this people, to whom He has said, "This is rest. Give rest to the weary." And this is reposed, yet they would not hear. Yeah, Marl, they wouldn't even hear it. Something good, and they wouldn't, right. they wouldn't hear it. But, but they, they couldn't. They couldn't hear. In fact, I want to, 28, 10, 12, I want to look at what verse that, that is actually in. Let me see. This is, why, this is my interlinear here, so I like to go and, and look. Let me see, where is, do, do, do. Where is 10? It's down here somewhere. Okay. Ten. Um, 
from guarding lives of faithful ones of him, from hand of wicked ones he delivers them. Light being shed upon the righteous and on one's upright of heart, joy. Rejoice, righteous ones, and Adonai, and praise to name of holiness of him. Oh, wait, this bumped me over to Psalms. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Hold on. Isaiah 20. Here we go. Um, 10. For do to do. Oh, this is so interesting. This is this is the interlinear here. Verse 10. For do to do. Do to do. Rule on rule. Rule on rule. Little here, little there. Then with one's foreign of lip and with tongue strange, he will speak to the people this. Whom he said to them, this, the resting place, rest for the weary, and this, the place of repose, but not being willing to listen. So where is this? This, you're in Israel, you're in the land. I took you in the land to rest. I took you in the land to give rest to the weary from everywhere. But they, they didn't get it. And the word of the Lord will be to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. See? Yep. And that's what happened. Yep. And, and they're still doing the same thing. Yeah, they taken his words and they just and it's not edifying them because they making their own rules. Well, and I I love when you look at this the way that that says and the so he will become to them word of Adonai do to do do to do rule on rule rule on rule little here little there. And when that's how you embrace his word, I'm going to take a verse from here, I'm going to take a verse from there, and I'm going to create this theology that explains God instead of resting and saying, who are you, God? I want to get to know you. I want the whole you. Because I'll tell you, when I talk to people who come from those backgrounds and the conversation goes... How do you respond to this first? So you start trying to ex explain how you understand it. And then they go, well, what about this first? From way over here. Okay, well, if you actually read the verse following that one, it explains it. But I, I, can, I can explain to you how I look at that in the context of the whole thing. Well, you seem to be forgetting this first. No, no I actually wasn't forgetting that first. That verse is talking about something completely different than what we're talking about here. Well, I don't see you explaining how that... And you end up feeling like you're insane. Because they're coming at you with a little here, a little there, a rule, a rule. Do to do. Yeah. That's how, you know what? Yes. You know what? Hold on. That's the way I grew up in church. Now that you mention it, 
And there's a prophecy for yeah, it. Yeah, right the Baptist church. I didn't know. Like, and the Baptist churches is down on it for three hours. Yes, <laughs> you go to church. They read one sentence. Right. One sentence, and that's your verse nine a. They preach on it. They sing. You know how they do the breathing, yep. wiping their face, and entertain the crowd on one verse, and then pulling stuff from I don't know where. And that's why it was always confusing to me. Right? Yeah. And that's why. Because then you go back and read the verse and go, old oh. enough. Yeah. We just left the church. Yeah. Because yes. we you didn't you learn want... anything. Because, like God was saying just we right before this, how are you supposed to unravel that? Yeah. No, you can't unravel it. It's, it's crazy making. Right. And you know what they justify it with? Well, we are building precept upon precept, line upon. God's not cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's your problem. Taking everything out of context. It's not and when you like do it. that and you go, meaning you get older and you actually go, you will fall backward, be broken, snared, and taken. But we're building pre- Stop! Stop doing that! And I've heard that a lot. Yes! And they try and put it in a good context. Yes, not in a good And then they say, we're like the Bereans. No, you're like Ephraim. Yeah. Ephraim did that. The whole captivity even earlier than Jerusalem? That, that was the result of that. Because when you approach it like that, you're doing it with your own intellect. Yes. I, I, honest to goodness, the second somebody says the clear and obvious reading of the text, they're, they're literally saying, I understand this with my own intellect. And I want to go, well, that's your problem right there. And that's why we've got so many different religions. Right. And groups out there. Yes. Yes. Because as soon as you find, you know, this group formed because, no, we just couldn't buy into that. Yeah. So we split. But we never thought to question the rest of it. Right. Or, well, no, we have a fundamental difference in this. Even though as we've both grown up, they don't look that different in how they actually play out. And then you, that's where you get, if you've ever encountered, if you want a, if you want a fascinating afternoon, Google Red Letter Christians. Oh, man. Really? Oh, yeah. Because these are people raised for some period of time, whether from childhood or from the whatever moment they got saved in the church, who went and for some reason felt compelled to read the Gospels and realized that the actual teachings of Jesus, which in the older Bibles are in red letter, the actual teachings of Jesus contradicted everything they'd ever been taught. Yeah. And they went... Not only am I supposed to be a follower of him, and I didn't even know he said these things, but these things actually seem like they would help a hurting world. You will encounter boutique lawyers from New York, and boutique meaning the tiny little firms that do specialized work that pay a boatload of money to their people, who quit and go and work with the homeless in Atlanta. They are the people who sell everything they have and go live in the poor. Red letter Christians. It's powerful. Because when you actually encounter Yeshua, you are changed. If you encounter Yeshua and he's telling you to embrace all the things you always had been taught in your culture, you might not have encountered the actual Yeshua. Right. 
right. You, you know what that reminds me of? Okay, so you know you know how the Bible says that Yeshua came preaching the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. right? Right. So you go to church your whole life long, and everything is about Yeshua and his life. But you never learn about what he taught. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't. We don't know yeah, right. the kingdom of God. They don't preach the kingdom of of God in the churches. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just okay. This is Yeshua, and he did that, and he did the next thing. But what he preached, we don't hear right. in the churches. Right. Partly because when he taught, there, there's this idea that you've probably heard. I know I, I've heard it so many times. You know, well, when he taught, it, the Jews didn't even understand what he was teaching. Um, yeah, actually, they did. Yeah, they did. Because in a culture that measures your wisdom based not on having the right answers, but on asking the right questions, the questions they ask reveal what they were understanding. And if we never go and look, there, there's a great book. Um, I want to say the author's last name is Brown, but I'm not sure. But there's a great book about parables and how parables are used in parable cultures to teach and what they mean and how when you're hearing the, the parable, the idea is that you will identify yourself in some character in the story. It's basically the way that special needs children are taught with social stories. You know, oh, a little boy about your age was at a party with a bunch of friends. And, and he encountered this situation. It just happens to be the thing, same thing that child did. Or that child might. You know, what do you think he should do? And that's what Yeshua is doing. This man sold everything he had to go and buy this pearl, which they would know was the Torah. He went to buy this pearl of great price. And then this happened. What do you what do you think he should do? Um and that and you notice every time he told one of those stories, somebody got mad. Yeah. The rich young ruler, he didn't leave confused, he left sad. Yeah. Because he, he knew wasn't given right. He knew he wasn't gonna do it. He knew that yeah. Jesus knew he wasn't gonna do it. All his words meant nothing. Yeah. So this idea that we're supposed to be to them precept upon, you know, we're supposed to teach precept upon precept, line upon. They really think that was a good thing. Though. Yes. But that's because they took that this verse out of context. So that's why I just said I'm going to take it straight yes. out of context. Yes. Wow. It is. Wow. It absolutely is, which that's is why. why. You can't learn nothing, anything in some of these churches. Yeah. Can't. And you sit there and people are like, oh, that was a great sermon. And I'm going, I don't know what he was talking about. What, what was his point? You know, you go in there and they can sing, they can clap, you know, they can have You a can good feel time all great. But when it comes time to learn it, you didn't learn anything. Yeah. Or what, what you learn might not be helpful at all. Right. But, you know, because when they go, they fall backward, they're broken, they're snared, they're taken. Mm-hmm. So, a cornerstone in Zion. Another verse, another uh, statement we've all heard. This is in Isaiah 28. comes right after that. Your precept upon precept, line upon line approach is going to lead, is going to send people out who don't know anything. And they're going to just be... And, and remembering that 
Precept upon precept, line upon line in the Hebrew is do, don't do. Rule. Rule of them. You know, it was it's it's I wanna I wanna do to do to do. Do to do. On rule a rule on rule, rule on rule. Oh, little here, little there. What do I do in this situation? Oh, you just do this. Well, what do I do in that situation? Well, you just do that. Well, what if this situation is like this and that doesn't work? Well, here's a rule. Yeah. Here's a rule for you. Do this. Do this. Rule, rule. And then people go, well, I don't want the, the Torah because that's just a bunch of rules. Yeah. I know. And they lock down the rules in their church. Have you read it? <laughs> But they don't want God's rule. That's right. what they need to say. We don't want God's rule. They want right. the we, but we go by out man rule, man-made rules. I can't wear this. And I can't Our man-made rules make more sense to us. Do this, do that. Yeah. They make more sense to us. And I get to eat whatever I want. I think, okay. I think they prefer to eat whatever they want. Well, it is. But, you know, in in uh, when they were in the wilderness, every time... The text talks about them grumbling at the door of their tents. It's the way that the Jewish understanding of the times when they grumble at the door of their tents about food and how they want to go back to Egypt where they could eat anything they want instead of being out here yeah, they where they have want to that, eat. Didn't they? Yeah. The Jewish understanding the of that. Context. Yeah is that they were grumbling about the morality that God required of them in the context of their family. Yeah. I can't sleep with whoever I want. Yeah. This is too hard. This is too I don't like this. This says I can't sleep with my brother's wife. This says, you know, my children are off limits. This says, they're like, I want to go back where I could do whatever I wanted because they, they were slaves and they couldn't eat whatever they wanted in Egypt. Right. But, there weren't any rules on it. Do whatever you want morally. Live however you want. Which I'm sorry, but I can't help but hear when people say, Well, Jesus died, so we can do that. Oh, I don't want to hear. Well, <laughs> if 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 that was why he died, I'd be happy to give it up, and then he wouldn't have needed to, because I don't think that's what it's about. Look at you, hey. You gotta kidnap your mama to get you up here. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> not, you can stay now, T. I wasn't sure. You're not leaving, are you? Yeah, I am. Where are you going? Uh, I got a, a film gig. Okay, whatever. But what time do you meet me tomorrow? Oh, what time? I don't know. I gotta look. I'll text you. I got the whole day open because I know. Well, you better be because we're gonna be there like yeah. nine to nine. So. <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. I think we gotta meet up at like nine thirty. Okay, so be by you like eight thirty. Yeah, no, 9.30, not 8.30. Oh, 9.00, okay. I'll be, I'll be waking up. Okay. <laughs> Unless you want to hang out with Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there, Bill. What are you doing? He'll we'll make pancakes. He'll we'll make pancakes. make There you go. That's right. I'll, I'll text you for sure. I'll look at the time. So, aw. So, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers. Chris, we're not done yet. Shh. 
I know. There's bad parenting practices happening at this table. I don't know why it's okay when everybody is quiet. We're not paying attention to what they're doing, but if you see something, you stop them. We trust you. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death. And with Sheol, or the grave, we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge. And in falsehood, we have taken shelter. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to go to the next page, and then we're going to come back and read this again, because this is intense. Okay, so we're, in fact, I'm not even going to read that. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. Okay, so this isn't, God's not threatening the people. God's not even threatening the rulers. God is calling out the people who are supposed to know better. Yeah, because they are the rulers. Right, right. Yeshua didn't go go yell at people in the streets that they didn't understand. He taught them, and then when the Torah teachers came and wanted to get in his face, he called them out. Because you have said, this is why you're scoffers, and this is why I need to correct you here. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death. And with Sheol, or the grave, we have an agreement. It's okay, we got it all worked out. We're not going to die. We're not going to die because, uh, you know, we've got this all worked out that if these things lead to death and these things lead to life, then if we do these life things, we won't have death. When that wasn't the point. The whole point was always those who love me live this way and that's what leads to life. So if you want, this is like the best definition of legalism you can come up with. It's not following God's rules. It's not following the commandments God gave. It's not living the way God called you to live. Because the only way to actually accomplish that is if you're doing it with a response of love. Those who love me will live this way. So when you love God, you go, oh, if this is how the people who love him live, I want to live that way. Where legalism says, no, no, we're cool. We got a covenant with death. We worked it out with the grave. You said these rules lead to life and these things lead to death. So we're going to do the rules because we don't want to die. And I'm sorry, but everybody who has accepted the Lord, and I'm not saying that they weren't truly responding to God. I'm not calling out the people responding because they were approached the way they were approached. But I'm going to call out right now every evangelist and every street preacher who ever told someone that the reason to get saved was because if you die tonight, you don't know if you're going to hell. Oh, yeah. yes. They say that so much. You don't know if you're going to heaven. Do you know? No, it's good. We got an agreement with death. You come and live over here and do what we're doing. You won't You won't have to go to hell. We got it. We got it worked out because that's an agreement with death. What should they be saying instead? God loves you. Because those are the words that change people. God loves you. I love you. I love you. How can I serve you? Right. 
In fact, his love is despite what you're doing. And in really, truly, his love is because of what you're doing, because what you're doing shows that you don't know him or understand who he is. And he's moved with compassion when he's confronted with us in our sinful state. He says, if it's up to them, they can't fix this. I need to go fix this. That's how God, God, Yeshua didn't come and tell people, you don't follow me, you're going to hell. No, he never said that. No, no. he never, ever said that. In fact, he told the Pharisees, he told the Torah he said, teachers. He have life and have more abundantly. abundantly. Well, and when he talks about Gehenna, well, Gehenna was the place where they were, in fact, in Israel, where, uh, I think it was Josiah who burned all the, the paganism and the pagan priests and everything, and it was in this place that now it was unclean and they couldn't do anything there, and it became the, the outside the city, the trash heap. And when people were cast yeah, out, about that. when they were cast out for violating the law, when you were put to death, that was where your body was thrown outside yeah, the camp. Yeah. So when he's talking, right yeah. And so when he's talking to them about. It's better to do this than to be thrown on, you know, into Gehenna where you burn. Mm -hmm. That's what he's talking about. He's saying when you violate the law, that's that's the the penalty. Right. But he's always countering it with focusing on the penalty was never the point. You're supposed to want love. You're supposed to want life. You're supposed to embrace this because it's good for you. You're not supposed to just be having an agreement with death. No, I got to work out with death. If I do these rules, if I follow it this way, if I if I just really discipline myself to not do these things and do these things instead, then I won't go to hell. Mm-hmm. Well, that okay. Except, you know, yeah, when oh, go ahead. the church today makes every turns everything into a salvation issue. Oh, everything. And in fact, everything. they're line upon line, precept upon precept. If you disagree That's with them, yeah. you're going to hell. Yeah. Yeah, everything, it's the threat. Everything it's, is a salvation issue. You know, oh, well, if you don't understand that, it must be because you're going to hell. I think hell's going to be a lot more crowded in their minds than... Uh, than the kingdom, because the kingdom is only for those people who can discipline themselves. And you can accept the crazy things that we're telling you the Bible says. And if you doubt, you must not have faith. Because faith means that you believe us. No, faith means you believe God. If a doctrine requires blind faith because it doesn't make sense. Yeah, if it, well, if it requires, right, and yet, at the, and I, I was talking with, with a friend of mine the other day who's a scientist, and I said, here's my thought on that. Science is man's best attempt to understand the world in which we live. Without God. Well, actually, just to understand the world in which we live, period. Theology is man's best attempt to understand God. And if they were both properly understood, I don't think they'd be in disagreement. No. Yeah. It's when... They complement each other. They do. It's when you encounter an idea in one that you can't synthesize with your understanding in the other that people choose sides. Mm -hmm. I step back and I go, well, you know, when it comes to creation, none of us were there and there's not a videotape. So I don't know that God cares what someone... Because there are people who will say, if you can't believe in a literal seven-day creation, you're not saved. To which I go, whoa. 
I'm not going to argue that you should believe not in a literal seven-day creation, but I don't know that that's quite the crux of what salvation hangs on, because if we have to believe that to be saved... Then but, that's you just, not, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Right. She said we have to believe that Yeshua is the Son of God. Right. To be saved. And that, he's, and that he came to save. Oh, no, Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis. I sat in a room where he was talking. It wasn't even a quote I heard in the paper. He says it. That's what he believes. Wow. That if you don't believe, if you reject a literal seven-day creation, you cannot be saved. That is ridiculous. But that's his line upon line. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, so God says to that. So He's saying something you shouldn't even say. Right. Right. He's saying something God never said. Right. Even if you don't read Genesis literally, there's so much it, te- it can teach you. Like it teaches you about ideas. It teaches us about who God is. And and it, and technically, it was written by a people who weren't so worried about literal record of time anyway you know it was right. it's not the point and technically if you want to get literal before the sun and the moon and the stars were in the sky time as we know it didn't exist yeah and that was day four <laughs> so you know for a lot of people it's enough to say i believe god created yeah. and you know what that's awesome and technically Yeshua didn't really talk to people about what they thought about creation because yeah. that's not really the that point. That wasn't the point. That's the yeah. So all that stuff gets dragged down. And, yes. You know. We've made it because you've said we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol or the grave. We have an agreement. When the overwhelming wit passes through, it will not come to us. Okay, now keeping in mind all of these people who are really worried that when you die you're going to go to hell, right. it's because God's judgment is going to come. Mm-hmm. So, in, in my experience, that is a partner teaching with, with we've made an agreement with death. Mm-hmm. When the overwhelming wit passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge. <laughs> And in falsehood, we have taken shelter. You want to know how to grow a huge church? Scare people that if they leave your church, they're going to hell. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. They are. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's not good. But it's <laughs> if that's your goal is growing a big church as opposed to raising spiritually mature people. Or you can preach the prosperity gospel to Yes. Oh, oh, gosh. That'll get them. Really get yeah. them. Yes. Well, yeah, because some people are motivated by guilt and fear, and others are motivated by pride and ego. And when, you're, when your theology is rooted in what people want to hear, you might be creating it. Therefore... Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And I want to look up, I want to look up that, that word right there. Yes. 
Um, let's see, what verse? 16. So this he says, Sovereign Adonai, see I, he lays in Zion stone, stone of test, cornerstone of precious, of foundation, being founded, the one trusting, never he will be dismayed. Haste and being dismayed. Which is interesting because haste, we think of rushing around. Yeah, that's what I think of. Yeah. But what do you do when you're dismayed? You scurry about trying to fix it. You know, I need an answer. I need an answer now. And I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I'm in haste. And, and there's lots of people who go, well, here's a quick answer for you. Here's a line. Here's a precept. Here's a rule. Okay, okay, that answers it. Wow, line, precept. Haste and dismay wants that. Haste and just tell me what to do. Because what did the people say when they didn't want to go up on the mountain with Moses? You go, Moses. You know what? You go. You, you come tell us what to do, and we'll do it. Right. Yeah. And we'll do it. You we'll go. do it. You go. You tell us the rules. We'll follow them. And you know what? You do feel at peace. You feel at peace once you know the rules. But you aren't at peace because you can't rest because... The rules are hard work because they don't make sense. But you're so dismayed that you're not noticing. You want to see this in action? Look at someone who is trying to grieve the death of a loved one. With all of the pithy, meme-like advice they're getting from the church. Just don't, just, you know, let it go. Trust God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're not Just have joy. You're not giving it to God. Yeah, oh, well, if you've got it, you you must still be not giving it to God. Grieving a loved one years later. Are you still holding on to that? Because there's no peace. You can't really do those things. They're stupid. Yeah. They don't make sense. It's like when people tell young people, oh, you'll find your partner, you'll find your husband when you're not looking for him. Well, if you want to be married, how do you not look? Because then you're like, I'm not looking. I'm not. Oh, he's. Oh, I looked. It's not him. You know. And I would just go, God, this is crazy advice. I don't know how to do this. And he'd go, yeah, you don't. You know why we hear that so much in our growing up years and people tell it to us? And then it, it just repeats, mm-hmm. you know. And cause Because we're too much heard, in haste. Because, to stop and look. Right. When I grew up in the church, nobody ever said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, test right. and, you know, Oh, go in and, and look it up and, and, and make sure that it's right. Nobody ever tells you that. So you believe that everything come out of the mouth of that preacher. Mm-hmm. Especially if he throws in a touch church. not, the Lord's anointed. Right. No, <laughs> so you're thinking what they said, everything they said is true. Mm-hmm. I have grown up and know that God even says in his word you need to do that. He says you know? dig it as for buried treasure. Yeah. So he wants you to go and yeah. explore that. Not just let your priest or your pastor he explore wants you in He his wants work. you in mm-hmm. his and, and even when they're telling you, oh, the Lord told me to, for you to do thus and so. Oh. Did that line up with the word? Did you go the back to the second I hear God that? told me to tell you, I hear, oh, I'm about to hear what you want me to do. 
God told they, they quick to tell you what God told them. And you know, you know what? You, that scares me. Because I'm like, I'm not coming to tell you nothing. Yeah. If God wants me to get Remember though, the prophets, hit me over the head. The prophets were drunk and stumbling in the vomit too. Say that. Mm-hmm. Let me let me tell you guys a little story. This is going around on social media now. So, so, so the guy tell the girl, come to the girl. Uh-huh. He said, the Lord says that you're going to be my wife. Right. The Lord says that you're going to marry me. And he showed me this and the vision and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah. And they be so, so I've been, That is common. Yeah, the after he that. I've been up, up the to the mountaintop and, and I'm fasting and all that. Like, he came back and the Lord said you was going to be my wife, right? And so the girl started crying because she was all overwhelmed. She said, you know what? I grew up without a dad. He said, oh, that's fine. The Lord still wants you to be my wife. She said, after that, I had 62 men. Ooh. I have um, HIV positive. What did that say? A bunch of other stuff. But, and, and so she was crying, but if the Lord said that I'm supposed to be your wife, and when she, be uh, before she can finish, the door <laughs> slapped. <gone>. Yeah. <laughs> but yet God told no, him. No, come back. Told yeah. him told well, I thought God right. told you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Because it's so true. Mm-hmm. Well, God told me that. And you know what? My answer is always... Well, if can that's the me? case, then God will tell me too, because mm-hmm. I can hear yeah, from God. Yeah, why would God tell that? Because in patriarchal teaching, you. you hear that in groups that are really into patriarchy, right. with this idea that men are over women, and men hear better from God, therefore if you can't agree on something, you need to do what the man says, because he hears better from God, and and there it's such a systemic thing, and very often... The marriage itself starts with, well, God told me we're supposed to get married, and the woman doesn't get to have an opinion on it. Oh, if God said you're supposed to be married, then if I disobey that, I guess I'm disobeying God. That's all like what happened to Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, so he says, I am the one who laid this foundation. Whoever believes will not be in, in haste, will not be in dismay. See, will not be in haste. Yeah, and, 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 we'll, and will not right. be in despair. And because, because when, and that's what I was saying earlier. When you encounter Yeshua, mm-hmm. it changes you. Mm-hmm. When you encounter Yeshua, you step away from that moment a different person. Mm-hmm. The things that were troubling you yeah. aren't troubling you anymore. Now, that's not to say that you'll never be anxious or that maybe you don't really have Yeshua if you find yourself rushing. But it means that, that there's, a, there's, there's a foundational change in who you are that happens. Right. That you have to, you, when those other things happen, right teaching takes you back to that. When you go to someone and you say, well, I don't know what to do about this situation, they go, have you prayed about it? Mm-hmm. And you stop and go, yeah, because when I bring God into this situation, I will stop being in dismay. I will stop feeling the need to rush towards a solution. I will take the time to sit and just be in the presence of God and in his word and see what he has to say. And it might not be in the timing that I had thought or hoped or wished, but it will be from him. The reason for rules is it makes things go faster. We can get you back to work in that ministry that we had for you. <laughs> If you can let this go and move on. I mean, how many times have you seen pastors 
who have affairs or go through divorces, even if it's oh, not God. their fault, and then the people go, no, we need you in the pulpit. What will we do without you? And I sit back and I go, you can only lead where you to where you are. This person is in a crisis. Mm-hmm. If you want them to lead you, they will lead really? you into the crisis. Put my key yeah. Or you can let them step away, yes. heal. Yes. Get through this, and then when they go back to teaching, they can help you get through a crisis. Right. Yeah, because they've been through it. But until they're through it, mm-hmm. they can only lead you into it. Mm-hmm. But if you're in haste, if you're, what will we do without you? Well, you know what? If you're really worshiping God, perhaps He has a plan. Perhaps there's someone He would like to step, have step up or step in. To take over for this season. Mm-hmm. What will we do without you? We're in dismay. We can't imagine a solution. <laughs> a wise pastor would go, yeah, I can't either. Regarding where I am, I need to step away. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Because you know what happens? If you step back in and start teaching and you don't take that time to heal, right. you're not healed. You That's what have, hours did if you're in haste, yeah. nobody wanted to see him go, but he felt like it was best for him to go because he was in this, like this crisis. crisis. Right. Yeah. He was in dismay. He yeah. needed that cornerstone to step into that situation and bring the answer. And you know what? During that time in our congregation, it was a large congregation. I, I felt like what I learned was that pastors are human, too. That they yeah. mista- make mistakes all the yes. time, God, and that God loves them through their yes. time of trial and mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we should do the same, not throw stones. Right. Because right. a lot of us in that congregation could probably relate to mm-hmm. what was going on. Maybe some of us have even done that. You know, mm-hmm. but our lives is not on blast like pastors are. Right. You Which know, is why there's this illusion. People are so quick to point at you and criticize you. Well, if you really know God, why is this happening? Because I really, I really know God. That's how I'm going to get through it. I like margaritas too. There you go. With liquor in them. Thank you. (laughs) You can come to my house and have one anytime. There there you go. We're going to be drinking, but that's right. That's right. We just won't be crying in them. We won't drink because we're sad. So he says, "Whoever believes will not be in haste." And I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. And, you know, we've talked before about how justice and when it, in fact, I want to look up what verse says here because it's going to be 17. And it says, because yeah, justice as a measuring line. Okay, so God's justice is when we stand in the presence of God and we see that his standard is here and we're here. That gap is justice. That gap is the judgment of how we are not measured up. And the reason that Paul says in our weakness he is made strong is because what Yeshua did is fill that. He stood in that gap and closed it. He said, I know you can only do to hear. I'll make up the difference. 
So when we fear, when we fear God's judgment, when we think that the point of our theology is to work work something out with death so we don't have to worry about that, we're missing that the point is life abundant. Because we're when we really understand what Yeshua is doing for us and the reason it's called good news is because we know we are here. And we don't know how to get ourselves to hear. And then Yeshua goes, I got it covered. The peace that comes with that, of no longer trying to measure up, because that rule upon rule, if you put that in this analogy, that's us going rule upon rule upon do upon do upon you've got to measure your own righteousness. You've got to fill that gap. You've got to figure out how to be enough to fill that gap between you and God. And that is not what Yeshua said. He said, He said, Woman at the well, you are down here. I got you covered. It's all good. He said, Woman caught in adultery. You're down here. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm here. It's all good. He said, Man. Caught in your pride and your ego, who doesn't understand that I love these people too? I know that. It's okay. I got you covered. I got you covered. He says, Peter, couldn't imagine that you would deny me three times. And then you did. You know how low you are. It's okay. I got you covered. And when you encounter that, and you have that realization of how who we really are and how far away from God's standard of righteousness we fall regularly we do not cheapen that grace we do not say oh I can do whatever I want so Paul says does that mean we go and sin more no (laughs) it means we appreciate and we understand the depth to which he would come to do that for us, and we are moved by it. You used to be people of lawlessness. You're not anymore. Stop living like it. You used to be people who thought this way. You're not anymore. Read his word and be transformed by it. He says, "All and hail will sweep away the refuge of lies. And now if you think of the hail in Egypt that was fire and ice that destroyed and pummeled and and it's not coming at you it's coming at the the refuge of life because a refuge what's a refuge it's where you go to hide Mm -hmm. it's protection it's it's protection the refuge of lies he's saying they told you this was refuge it's not and you know it's not because the hail comes and it's destroyed And that's what happens when you're raised to believe that and then you get out into the world and you encounter a crisis and suddenly everything you were told doesn't make sense. And you're going, I thought I had a refuge. What the heck? So he's saying, I will, that cornerstone is going to fill that gap and create a sure foundation and hail will sweep away the refuge of lies. But your refuge will be there. And waters will overwhelm the shelter that that they told you was a shelter. 
So it's going to but that cornerstone be destroyed. I'm on the wrong thing to turn it. Hold on. Boop, boop, boop. Then your covenant with death will be annulled. And your agreement with Sheol, with the grave, it will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it passes through, it will take you. So this isn't, you know, that whole, well, we know we're good because... When that day of judgment comes, and this is saying, oh, no, no, you're going to be wiped out over and over and over if you buy into that. As often as it passes through, it will take you. For morning by morning, it will pass through, by day and by night. And it will be sheer terror to understand the message. Because it is sheer terror when you realize your theology is failing you. Which is why I say my crisis of, of faith, when I realized it was a crisis of bad theology, it was honestly one of the most freeing things on earth. I went, oh, this isn't about my faith in God. This is about me buying into crap I was taught that isn't true. Because I'm hiding in a refuge of lies, and every time something happens, it knocks it out. I'm trying to stand in a shelter that doesn't make sense, which is why the waters wash it away repeatedly. For the bed is too short to stretch oneself on, and the covering too narrow to wrap oneself in. What a beautiful picture of the discomfort of trying to make yourself yeah. fit where you are very painfully aware you don't fit. And and everybody's going, well, just rest. Why won't you sleep? And you're going, every time I move, my knee smacks into the bottom of the bed. Oh, just if you'd rest, if you could just rest, you'd feel fine. And if you hang, you ever got that feeling, you hang your legs. Yeah, and then your something. legs go dead. They could go dead, right? And then you can't walk. Yeah. I mean, there's so a reason so. this is the picture. And I wrapping up when I'm in bed. If yeah, I can't, if wrap, you can't wrap yourself. And you're cold, and you and got that little no baby blanket that you're trying to pull up on your shoulder, <laughs> and your that. knees go out. And then you try and scooch it and down by your feet, and it's and at you your can't waist. Completely under it. Yeah, enjoy your night's sleep. And you're like, wow. But you know what? God forbid you try and question the reality of what's going on. Yeah. Because if you had enough faith, you'd be comfortable on that bed. Yeah. If that's what God provided that's, for you, that must be where you're supposed friends. to get. You're Joel, supposed to yeah. figure out how to fit there. Yeah. That sounds like Joel friends. We all got friends like that. Well, and I and I shared a couple of weeks ago, I really have struggled my whole life. With going, what is wrong with me that every time I get into a church or a community of faith or this group or that, and I'm going, oh, that's stupid and that's not right. And, and people always, oh, you're such a troublemaker. You're always pointing out flaws. You're asking questions and we don't know the answer. Go away. And I go, okay, what's wrong with me? And then when I understand that what God wants me to move into is helping reconcile 
where the church has wronged people, and I go, oh, nothing's wrong with me. God created me to be a person who cannot live uncomfortably in an authentic way. So when I'm too uncomfortable, i got to walk away because that's who he made me to be, and I understand all the people who walked away. I was for some reason blessed with this connection to God that allowed me to walk away but with from that without thinking that meant I had to walk away from him. And that is what I want to share with people. It's good you walked away from that. That was garbage. God is real. If you can be open to that, he wants to make himself known to you in his truth. Because his bed will fit you. His covering will cover you. Yeah. His, his, his covering, literally, where he filled in that gap for you, it won't fall short. There's no amount that he goes, well, I can cover this much, but you need to figure out how to do the difference. You know, I'll cover, I'll cover these sins, but that one, yeah, that's on you. For the Lord will rise up. That's fine. For the Lord will rise up as on Mount Perizim, as in the valley of Gibeon he will be roused to do his deed. Strange is his deed. And to work his work. Alien is his work. In other words, what God's going to do won't make any sense to you. It's crazy. You know what's crazy? Coming to die for us. How crazy is that? Who does that? That's that crazy love. Yes. <laughs> That's what that is. It is. That's what the world calls it. And, and to work his work that comes and says, I did this for you. And we go, I don't even know how to respond. That is so foreign. Who does that? Now, therefore, do not scoff, lest your bonds be made strong. For I have heard a decree of destruction from the Lord God of hosts against the whole land. Give ear and hear my voice. Give attention and hear my speech. And I love that. Don't scoff, lest your bonds be made strong. The things that you are bound by. Get strong when you scoff at the idea that God's going to do what he's going to do. And when you look at his work and go, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Does he who plows for sowing plow continually? Does he continually open and harrow his ground? When he has leveled its surface, does he not scatter dill? sow cumin and put in wheat and rose and barley in its proper place and immer as the border? For he is rightly instructed. His God teaches him. Dill is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over cumin. But dill is beaten out with a stick and cumin with a rod. Gosh, they're talking about the spices, huh? Yes. When you yes. read that, was like, they really mean dill? Yes. And then when yes. you spread cumin... And and the idea that each person, the idea that each person, God's going to deal with each person where they are. The dill doesn't need what the cumin needs. That's 
That's right. And they don't need what the barley needs, and the barley doesn't need what the wheat needs. Right. Does one crush grain for bread? No, he does not thresh it forever. When he drives his cartwheel over it with his horses, he does not crush it. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. So you harvesters, you sowers of the word, you harvesters of the word, when you're out there, you can't trample all the ground like it's the same. God's got to lead you to treat the dill like dill and the cumin like cumin. And you might be somebody who's only called to harvest dill. Stay out of the cumin field. You will do damage there. You get crushed. You will do damage. So the siege of Jerusalem, and I think this starts 29. We'll do this next time because there was plenty in that one. Oh, was it? There's a lot of nuggets. I like, I like the a lot of nuggets in that one, you know. And verses, and I love because I love Isaiah, and I how love all that? the prophets, huh? How long was the verse? How long was that? Twenty nine chapter, twenty nine verses. Twenty, just twenty nine verses. But look what it contained. You think that was like a hundred verses? I know. And that's why they didn't like Isaiah. Yeah, they hated Isaiah. <laughs> how did he die? Well, should I say how did they kill him? I don't. Well, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna look because I. I mean, he, he was he the one that was sawed in half? I think he was oh, like, no, Isaiah, really? Yeah, I think so. How the prophet Isaiah? Yeah, death by song. Oh, yeah, they sawed him in well, half. They hated him. Do you want yeah. saying something over him? And then when they got to the backbone, like that was the last thing when they cut that. This was dead. Yeah. yeah. And cracker? Because that's your spine. You that's where yep. That's horrible. Yep. They shot the messenger. Oh, they, yeah. They, 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 I know, but they, they shot the messenger. But guess what? The message was still there. I think about it. How hard is your heart that the person who's saying God wants to give you rest on a bed that fits, and you go, kill him. Kill him, yeah. Kill him. I don't like what he's saying. That's crazy. And yet, to the, when, you know, in your paradigm, it makes sense. And, don't, you know, we hold fast to our paradigms until they are challenged in some way we can't reconcile. It is hard to change how you think. It's very hard. It is hard to change what you were steeped in or to question it or to think, maybe I wasn't taught right. And then sometimes... From little, you know, you are steeped in it, and you, you like, like, just give an example. You know, I was raised in the in the Baptist church, so I I, I was exposed to the hymn and hawing and and seeing people passing out and all that. Yeah. And it didn't set right from a kid's spirit. That didn't set right in my spirit. Right. I know me either. It didn't set right. Picture, but I didn't